Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. The Lord opened to me the gates of repentance, O giver of life, for my spirit rises early to pray towards thy holy temple. Bearing the temple of my body, all defiled, but in thy compassion purify me by the loving kindness of thy mercy. Amen. So in these two readings, we see some wonderful similarities. We have the story of Elisha and the widow. And this isn't actually the only story with Elisha and this particular widow. And it's interesting, Jesus in the Gospels, he refers to when there was a famine in the land, how Elisha was sent only to this widow and not to anyone in Israel. She was kind of an outsider, which is interesting that her husband feared and honored and honored the Lord. And so what we see here in these two readings are miraculous stories of God's provision, right? The first is for a widow in need, and the second is for a large group of people. So in the first story, we see the widow interacting with Elisha. Elisha and the widow, they know each other. Her husband had died, and later on her son had died, and Elisha raised her son from the dead, which is a really cool story. You should go and read it sometime. He's working in the field. The son, he passes out. Elijah goes into the room, and the Lord miraculously raises him up and restores him to, to his mother. And Elisha and this widow keep interacting throughout the story. And, and part of the reason why we continue to see Elisha working with this widow is because, like I said earlier, she was a little bit of an outsider from the kingdom. And so it's trying to show you know, God's care and God's love for those outside of, of the children of Israel. But here, she had a difficulty like in this story, many widows are poor, and when an unexpected difficulty happened, she didn't know what to do. She was in danger of losing her sons to slavery to pay for the debts. Now, these debts are most likely incurred by her late husband, but the way things worked, unfortunately, in the ancient world, it wasn't a really great system, right? So I have student loans. God forbid if something were to happen to me and I were to die, the government or whoever owns my loans they wouldn't be able to go after my wife for those loans, right? Because I'm the one who took out the student loans to pay for school, not her. But back in those days, they didn't have anything like that. So whatever debts her husband most likely racked up, if he died, she was responsible for settling those debts. It doesn't sound like a very fair system, and it kind of isn't. And so the way that you would pay for this, right, sometimes is you would sell yourself into, into slavery. You would sell yourself to work for people for a specific amount of time and to pay off the debt, and then you would be released. But there was a couple of things that you could do. If you actually wound up liking the people you could work for, you could say, hey, I want to work for you forever. You've been really good to me. And then they would give you an earring to show that you worked for them forever. But what they would also, could also do is they had something called the year of jubilee, like I think every seven years. And so all of the slaves who had incurred debts, they also, they, 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 could, be, they could be freed. So as not to perpetuate like these unjust systems uh, that they had in those days. Anyway, the widow, she has nothing. She has absolutely nothing. All she has is this jar of oil. And oil is necessary for a lot of things back then, medicine, Baking, cooking, lighting, all that sort of stuff. 
And so she takes the oil, and at the instruction of Elisha, she is miraculously blessed with enough oil to sell to pay off all of the debt she owes. She goes into a room with her two sons. They close the door, which is an interesting point in, in the story. And so she, she has one pot of oil. So Elisha says, gather all of the pots that you can and then bring them in. Borrow them from your neighbors. So she does. And she, one at a time, they bring it to her. She closes the door. She fills it up. And miraculously, the oil gets kind of reproduced. And she has a ton of oil, and then she's able to sell the oil and pay off all of the debts that are owed. And we see here in this story, God caring for her material, her physical needs. And so we know that God does care for our material needs. And sometimes this unexpected happening, right? Sometimes that happens to us. Like sometimes our cars don't start right in the morning, right? Sometimes they crash. Sometimes I had a friend who, who, who had somebody drive into their garage because <laughs> they lost control of their car on the road, you know? Sometimes uh, there's an unexpected sickness in the family, right? A lot of times things like this pop up. They pop up. We don't, we don't know how to react. But God will provide for us. And sometimes he'll provide for us in ways we don't expect. Now, in the gospel reading, we see the disciples have just returned from the missions trip Jesus sent them out on, right? So they, <laughs> so they went out on the missions trip, right, for a little while. It was a short-term missions trip. And if you've ever been on a short-term missions trip, you, uh, what, well, young people normally go, but older people, middle-aged people do too. But normally, when you come back from a missions trip, you're, like, really jazzed. Like, my life was changed. I helped this person. I interacted with these group of people, and it affected me profoundly. So now I need to do something to stay involved with this group, right? A lot of times when we come back from particularly mission trips overseas or in a different country, we are really excited, right? So I kind of imagine the disciples are like that. So they're, they're really excited. They come back to Jesus. They were out on a missions trip. They come back and they tell Jesus all of the cool stuff that happened to them. And Jesus gave them power, right? To heal the sick, to, to cast out evil spirits, all that kind of stuff. And they go out and they do it. So they come back and they talk to Jesus and they go to, to a little town. But then the people find out that, oh, Jesus is there. So, as what normally happens when they find that out, everybody shows up. Crowds and crowds and people. So Jesus teaches, like he does, and he heals a bunch of people. And so as it's getting late, the disciples are like, all right, Jesus, let's close up shop. I'm hungry. Time to eat. Let's get out of here. These people, they all have to go and get something to eat. And Jesus says, why don't you feed them? You give them something to eat. And they kind of just look at each other, and they're like, uh... We only have, like, these five loaves <laughs> and these two little fishes. What are we going to do with that? We don't have enough money to, send to, to buy food for everyone, right? They come back jazzed up, full of faith and fire after this missions trip, and the first problem that confronts them, they don't know what to do about it. They, they, they shut down. They get cold feet. Maybe they didn't think they could do it, right? This reminds me a little bit, and please forgive me, it reminds me of Luke Skywalker, right? In the Empire Strikes Back, his X-Wing fighter gets stuck in the swamp in Dagobah, right? And he, and he can't lift it out. He complains that it's too big. I can't do it. And Yoda's trying to teach him, no, it doesn't matter about the size of the X-Wing. It has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it at all. You just kind of have to do it. And Luke's like, 
eh, it's impossible, and he goes and he sulks because he's a big baby. And then Yoda shows him, and he does it, right? I kind of see this, because this is the way my mind works, right? I kind of see Jesus responding to the disciples sort of like this, except I kind of see him doing this, or like this, one of these, you know? And he's like, guys, you were telling me two hours ago, Peter, you were telling me about how this guy came up to you with leprosy, and you prayed for him, and he was healed. John, you were, <laughs> you were telling me about how this guy had, a, a, had an evil spirit, and you prayed for him, and the evil spirit departed, and he was free for the first time in 30 years, right? Stuff like that. Andrew, you were telling me you were preaching, and somebody decided to join us and, and, and pursue life in the kingdom of God, right? And then this comes up that they've already been prepared for, and they're unable, they're unable to deal with it. They can't do it. But the size of the crowd doesn't matter, right? Sometimes people see what's going on around them, right? They look out and they see something that looks impossible and it moves them to unbelief. And the disciples kind of do this. They kind of express the unbelief. So Jesus performs the miracle and he feeds all of those people. And he used what they had. They used what, what they brought him, like the widow in the story of Elisha and the oil. She brings the oil. God does something with it. They bring the loaves and fishes. Jesus blesses it. And God does something with it. So tonight, there was a perfect example of this. Due to a mix-up, which is most likely my fault, we didn't have soup, right? Blame me. Somebody said... Like in the parable, they said, well, what do we have? And I think it was Tom said, we have sandwiches. And everyone was like, all right, let's share some sandwiches. So we did. Everybody took out their sandwiches that they had brought. We cut them up and handed them out. And there was, I don't know how this happened from all of the sandwiches that we had cut up, but there was a box of cupcakes left over. Right? We didn't have 12 baskets worth of food, but there were delicious cupcakes from Renders just sitting right there on the table that I didn't see before. So somehow, we not only had enough sandwiches, God also provided for us with, with delicious cupcakes. Everyone <laughs> shared what they had. You, you brought to each other what you had, and God, and, God, and God blessed it. So when we think of this kind of in our own lives, when we're in need Right? Sometimes the way for us to get out of that need is to look for ways that we can help somebody else in need. And a lot of times what, what, what really unscrupulous preachers will do is they'll use stories like this to try to justify you giving them money. Right? Like, I'm the man of God, so if you, uh, <laughs> if you bring to me out of your need, God will, you know, he'll, he'll automatically zap you with, with riches and stuff. And then they go and they buy their wives Lamborghinis or something. Right? That's, that's nonsense. But there is, there is something to that. When we bring something to God, right? when God blesses it, it gets distributed to others, and then everybody gets blessed. Right? It could be food, oil, whatever it is. We bring what we have to God, and he hallows it and honors it and uses it. But when we also think of this part of the story, Jesus, he blesses the food. He breaks it. Right? Notice the language. He gives it to his disciples to distribute to the people. He's providing food in a place where there is none. So I think we're also meant to think of this story here at the Lord's table where we eat of the bread, the manna in the wilderness, the bread from heaven. Jesus is going to give what he has 
his soon-to-be-broken body, and he will share it with more than just those 500 people. And it was, it was actually 5,000 men, so who knows how many women and children there were that day too. But Jesus' broken body, he will share it, not with just 5,000 people, but he is going to share it to the entire world, with the entire world, for the life of the entire world. That those who receive him, who believe him, who trust him, would become children of God. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory, together with the Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Amen. ask everyone to please stand. We pray the Lenten prayer of St. Ephraim. The Lord be with you. Let us pray, O Lord and Master of my life, take from me the spirit of sloth, despair, lust of power, and idle talk. But rather give the spirit of chastity, meekness of mind, patience, and love to your servants. O Lord and King, grant us to see our own transgressions and not to judge our brothers and sisters, for you are blessed forever. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. If these sermons have been a blessing to you, I ask that you take a few minutes and help us if you could. We've recently begun fundraising efforts for some repairs that our building really, really needs. If you could, go to our Facebook page, Zionstone United Church of Christ, or our website, zionstoneucc.com. You'll see a link to a fundraising page we've set up at GoFundMe, which I'll include in the description of this episode and all episodes moving forward. GoFundMe.com slash SaveZionStoneUCC. If you could help us out, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, please keep us in prayer as we go through this fundraising process. You can also, please, if you have some time, rate us on iTunes, and you can also find this podcast on Spotify as well. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless you.